Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. And today we're talking about brands as broadcasters, specifically the mingling of retail and fashion, a hybrid world of interactive digi-hangouts and pop-cultural playscapes, in the words of one of my guests, Stylus's own Head of Retail, Katie Barron. Now, this concept is exemplified by Five Carlos Place, the fashion and media mashup shop from Matches Fashion. So I'm very pleased to say that my other guest today is Daniel Radoichin, broadcaster, journalist and multimedia consultant who is now hosting podcasts and live events at Five Carlos Place. So first of all, Daniel, for those um, who might not know it, could you explain what Five Carlos Place is and what goes on there? It's partly a shop, but it's a lot more than a shop. It is a... It's designed to be taking the, the shopping experience to the next level. So the idea is that people who maybe, maybe have become jaded with the idea of shopping um, can go there and have an experience or do something to feel inspired. Um, and they can shop. So there is product available um, and you can also, um, visitors can browse iPads where they can have... Um, clothes from Matches Fashion website delivered to them within 90 minutes. Um, but really, there is a lot, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's lots of other things <clears throat> going on there. Um, it all looks very beautiful. So the idea is that it's, um, it might inspire people to take an Instagram photo and share it to their friends. Uh, so we, the Matches Fashion works with florists to create beautiful floral installations, um, such as Scarlet and Violet, or um, artists like Nick Hornby to produce a sculpture. Um, which sits in an alcove on the first floor as you enter. Um, and there's also a uh, cafe in the attic where um, on the top floor. So if you um, manage to get to the fifth floor, um, there's also a lift. But um, if you walk up to the fifth floor, there is a, um, a cafe space which is um, hosted by different restaurants every few weeks. So um, we've had um, Arnold and Henderson doing a takeover um, Maisie's Cafe, the trendy vegan cafe from Paris. Um, and guests can come and have a cup of coffee or have something to eat. And crucially for us, for this podcast, in the attic as well, there's a, um, a cabinet, a very beautiful large cabinet. All the furniture in the space is very beautiful. Um, and this kind of plays to this idea, the third idea of Five Carlos Place, which is that it acts as a broadcasting space. So as well as the retail experience and the very beautiful things, there's a programme of talks, uh, which I help curate. Um, and it's a combination of in-conversations um, between artists, um, fashion designers, architects, culturally interesting people. Um, and those are often recorded um, and, and filmed or live-streamed to the Matches Fashion website and associated uh, social media platforms. Uh, and as well as that, we record... Um, a Matches Fashion podcast, the first podcast of many that will be produced soon, hopefully. Um, and it's called The Collector's House. And the idea, um, we, were, we wanted to launch a podcast in tandem with the opening of Five Carlos Place. Um, so the idea was that we wanted to give it a bit, a bit of an edge. So obviously a podcast is a digital um, thing. And we wanted to give it a physical link to Five Carlos Place. So anyway, this is a very long-winded explanation, but basically there's a cabinet in the mm. attic and the cabinet houses certain special objects which are discussed in each episode of the podca podcast by the interviewee. Um, and the idea is that there are five things because it's five Carlos Place and each object uh, represents them in some way 
um, or has inspired them in some way or given their life meaning. So it's a kind of ever-evolving installation. People can come and there's a QR code next to the cabinet that people can scan and the podcast is downloaded into their phone. So with the, um, I think this is a really interesting idea because, you know, a lot of brands, I think, are still struggling to combine the more ephemeral aspects of their brand um, with the physical spaces. Is With those objects that live there, do they stay there indefinitely or is it just for kind of a couple of weeks after the podcast is on? They don't stay indefinitely because a lot of them are personal objects belonging to the people that appear on the podcast. Um, we have a visual merchandising team and they're in charge of um, housing the objects. Um, it's about five shelves, so if you think that we publish one podcast a week... There's quite a lot of objects that need to go in. So I would say that the pieces themselves probably stay in for a a few weeks. So it's almost like a kind of constantly evolving museum space, which is interesting because I think museums and sort of exhibitions are such an interesting world to look at at the moment because in in a lot of ways I think they're becoming more reflective of wider social culture than they ever would have done before, becoming, you know, spaces to inform, to provoke, to entertain which has got a lot of parallels with where brands are going, specifically, I would argue, where luxury brands need to go. Would you agree with that? 100%. Um, I think, um, as I said, people seem, you know, shopping habits have changed a lot. People are spending more money on experiences. You guys know a lot about this, and I'm sure you've spoken about it a lot. Um, They're spending money on experiences um, rather than stuff. Um, and also it's just seen as sort of ethically and environmentally um, suspect to sort of this hunger for accumulation. So I do think brands brands do need to diversify and match fashion is sort of hyper aware of this and um, it's really important and it's, it's a really nice way to diversify a brand and also to offer your consumer something else um, by way of, um, this is what Carlos Place is doing anyway, it's collaborating with um, cultural institutions and artists a lot of the time to sort of uncover new synergies and mm. um, just new ideas that ne- wouldn't have existed before. Because really, if you think about it, um, not to be too flip, but when it comes to fashion, I mean, everything has pretty much been designed yeah. apart from on the tech side of things. So, mm. you know, this really is a nice new way for um, fashion to go. For all the ones that you've done so far, because you've been, it's been, you know, a really successful series... Which has resonated um, the best with listeners? Do you know? Do you that? mean which episode of the Collector's House Matches yes. Fashion podcast? Yeah. Um, I know that the episode that we recorded with the artist Tom Sachs performed really well. Oh, amazing. Um, there are a few reasons for that, I think. Um, one is that we live streamed it um, on video. So it was recorded at, during Freeze in Los Angeles. Um, where, like I said, Matches Fashion had a pop-up space and he visited the space there and we um, recorded the podcast, which was not live, obviously, because it was a podcast, but um, it was filmed and streamed onto the Matches Fashion website and onto their Facebook and YouTube accounts. And I think that's part of the reason it performed well, because there was it had heightened visibility across those platforms. But um, obviously, it's also down to the fact that Tom Sachs is quite well known um, as an artist. And I think especially it's because of his um, collaboration with Nike. So you have a lot of sneaker heads following him and he's got a lot of traction on social media <clears throat> at the moment. Yeah. What was it? What was he talking about? That's one of the ones I haven't listened to, I have to confess. What was he discussing in that podcast? Well, it followed the same format that it always does. So it was based around five objects mm. that 
mean something to him. And if I remember, he talked about, I mean, I think it was, he talked about a um, indelible ink pen, the kind of pen that he uses, yeah. because um, there's only one kind. He's quite a specific person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the, th- I, the things he chose were interesting and the stories he brought were great. I mean, I think, you know, you, you want someone on a podcast who can engage through telling interesting anecdotes on that kind of podcast anyway. Mm. Um, so he was very good at telling entertaining stories he's very charismatic mm. um so i think that helps a lot as well i'm interested in 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 your thoughts on what how this is turning avid listeners into loyal brand fans purchases of you know products do you see um an effect have you been tracking that it's really um it's it's an interesting thing, and I always say to people when I start producing podcasts for them, is what they what do they want to get out of it? Um, if it's <clears throat> if it's to, you know to find another way to make money or to um, increase numbers, um, I tend to say that's not a very good idea because number one, um, developing a podcast audience takes a long time, um, and unless you're a very a huge podcast platform like they have in the US, where it's much more of a developed medium, then um, it's not likely you're going to have a lot of listeners, especially at the beginning. Um, I think for someone like Matches Fashion, it's about um, prestige, um, customer acquisition, um, and there's not necessarily a direct correlation between a listener and a sale, unless that person says something like on their social media, I really enjoyed this podcast. It really inspired me to go and buy Mm. this dress. Um, However, I think the... um, like I said, the prestige <coughs> and just the very fact that it's offering, it, it, it's a way of building brand loyalty um, and um, customer relations, which in this day and age is quite, is, is quite valuable. And it's just, if you think that um, people, the people engage with the Matches Fashion podcast on, on average for about half an hour. It's a um, long time, isn't it? That's a really long yeah, time. Yeah, compared to a yeah. sort of three second um, Facebook video, which is, I think, how when they stop measuring a video um, or, you know, scrolling past an Instagram poster. It's quite invaluable. And also I think there's this sense that um, culturally podcasts feel relevant now because everyone's um, walking around with their heads down, looking at their phones, um, and it's sort of contributing to a new heads-up moment, which we're, you know, ideally moving towards so that we can start engaging with each other again. I mean, something that I see happening, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Danielle, is that I see in a way these types of podcasts to to be a, perhaps like an incubator for brand thinking as well. Because I imagine there'll be, a, as you say, it's about kind of developing and experimenting with your voice and who your audiences are and how you connect with people. And there are many things along the way I imagine might be quite surprising about what people find interesting or engage with. And so I can really, I think for a lot of luxury brands, this would be a really smart place to think, don't worry about there being a direct correlation at this stage between seeing an actual sales uplift, but that idea of some things that were discussed, ideas that you can feed back into how you deal with your brand, how you work your brand, where, you know, who you should be talking to, how you should be talking to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. And also, um, I think that um, one thing that's definitely worth brands considering is that it's a nice archive piece. Um, So, Mm. for example, with The Collector's House, um, they have that archive on... Um, those podcast platforms that will sit there forever or un- until they choose to take it down um, and that's you know that's that's quite valuable um, brand equity right there yeah absolutely yeah in terms of um, the voice that you're bringing to, to matches fashion um, a lot of brands now 
are becoming quite opinionated. They're taking stands. They're coming out about issues that that matter to to consumers. Um, in your opinion, how far can you go with this? I mean, how provocative and controversial do you get um, as as a, a ambassador for Matches Fashion? And how provocative do they want to get as a as a luxury brand? Well. Um I think it depends on who the person is on the podcast. Um, if you have a very outspoken artist like Richard Wentworth, um, whose whole sort of MO is about being slightly provocative um, and introducing sort of intellectually um, pro- provocative and um, avant-garde ideas, then, then it's going to sound slightly more um, edgy than it would otherwise. But, you know, look, it's supposed to be entertaining and it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be... Um, a polit- uh, somewhere for a political discourse or for people to air their um, political ideas. Um, it's not about trying to trip people up. Um, it's it's supposed to be a comfortable environment. And at the end of the day, you know, Matches Fashion is a is a fashion brand. Um, and I think it's more about trying to talk about interesting cultural ideas, um, and and, um, and and find out about what artists, about what fashion designers are doing um, and thinking behind their work. And it's more about uncovering stories as well. That's the idea with the objects. It's about them talking about stories because I think, in my experience, you know, people hook on to anecdotes much more than they do to facts mm. in terms of audio. So um, it's supposed to be uh, interesting and entertaining above um, sort of controversial, I'd say. This is obviously, Katie, a really interesting concept, mm. this idea of brands as broadcasters mm. and um, you know, retail <clears throat> media mashups. Mm. Not something I imagine that everybody can do. I mean, obviously, Five Carlos Place is a beautifully luxurious space mm. um, because Matches Fashion can afford to produce mm. that kind of space. Mm. Is there stuff that other brands, smaller brands, startup brands can learn from this, can take from this idea? Yeah, I think it's about, you know, some of these things I think are becoming the cost of these things aren't as prohibitive as they as they once were. I mean, Danielle, you mean you've talked about it's not always about being in a studio. Sometimes you need relatively, you know, lo-fi kit to go out. It's like it's like it's kind of quite old school in a way. It's a roving reporter. I mean, it's funny because I'm seeing quite a lot of this in retail at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of a kind of quite a big return in, in places to even, you know, brands getting customers to phone them up to place orders for li- limited edition runs of product or to whatsapp or message them and i think the kind of part of this in a way not that you know you see there's a lot of kit involved in broadcasting but i feel like there's a, it, it's about kind of creating a sense of intimacy in some ways i think it's finding those kind of mediums that are a little bit more private the kind of one-to-one a little bit i mean this is almost as a macro trend i'm talking now um, as a because for so long we've had this kind of one to many, and the sort of social media and everything's become started to feel a bit anonymous and not kind of non intimate um, and a bit repressive in in a lot of ways. So I feel like um, without talking about kind of specific media you can use, um, I think I think there's a lot in this about understanding about intimacy and conversations and being experimental and, and allowing yourself a little bit more of a room to breathe. Um, I also think, you know, there are some more practical things as well. I mean, we're seeing um, in terms of brand broadcasting, we're seeing some really interesting live broadcasts uh, where we're seeing, you know, I mean, this is a bit 
um, salesy in a way. But brands, when you've got Network, which is the big US one, but there are much smaller versions of that. Like there's a, a footwear brand called M Jemmy that are doing mini broadcasts on Instagram, but live broadcasts so people can actually connect with them and talk to them while they're doing it. And I think it's that sense of it's a different it's a different mode and it's a kind of different way of discussing things. But again, it's still that. That idea of broadcasting and having a connection and sort of whether you're listening to something live or interacting with something live, I think there's that sort of... Um, yeah, there does seem to be a, a sense with Gen Z particularly that they they demand an interactivity, a sense that they have a little bit of agency uh, yeah. with the brand as well, yeah. that there's a kind of collaborative thing going on. Yeah. I think it's really important to point out as well that tech is moving towards an audio moment. Um there was a big report that came out by the Infinite Dial um, earlier this year, um, and it was focused on American markets, but, you know, now the UK tends to follow American markets. Um, and it showed that for the first time ever, social media usage is slowing down. So um, I think Facebook has dropped slightly. Instagram has plateaued. Um, Snapchat is something similar. Pinterest has dropped a lot. Um, and the only thing... but that's increasing in, in numbers across the board is um, among men and women and across all age groups is audio. And mm-hmm. a lot of that's down to um, the increase in at-home listening devices, so mm-hmm. your Alexas and your um, home pods and the Google one as well. And um, <clears throat> so I think a lot of it has to do with that. So there's a trend towards... Um, audio consumption in that way because it's becoming so easy and also they're very affordable they cost like 30 quid um and um so i think there's a move towards that and you'll see brands starting well they already are starting to develop develop skills for for alexa and so on plus i think it's it's important to you know to build on that that there's this idea that actually it will become increasingly permissible that brands are the place where you get your guidance from i think we're starting to see that at the moment and i think you know it may not be the obvious thing so i'm not saying that with matches it's not necessarily about going there about getting your styling advice it's actually that's maybe where you're kind of as a portal for cultural culture it's particularly if you're maybe a younger listener and you don't you know where do you go for that kind of to mainline culture you know we used to when i when i was growing up you know there were certain magazines that were an absolute go-to for you know understanding what was happening in kind of the underground music scene or various sort of cultural scenes and i think actually we have a bit of a dearth in that respect now and as danielle says if you're if you add audio into the mix with that it makes total sense that actually you would you know there's no reason you know why we've already seen adidas doing it um with some of their kind of semi-internal semi-external concepts they've got the think of game plan a where actually that's about you know having motivational speakers the kind of people that once they're exports people will go and talk about how you you know how you create the life that you want the job that you want these sorts of things so they think there are kind of tangential links that brands can hook into that can make them the go-to place i think Danielle mentioned that earlier and i think that's really exciting that actually if you think of broadcasting being very much about a brand finding a place where it has expertise that it can legitimately dispense it's not necessarily always about the the very obvious kind of product related thing it's about what are the things that your brand touches on that it can go into and what are the niches that people need to hear about they want to know about I mean sometimes it's you know it's a mix of need and want I think as you said it's sort of getting information being entertained it's all blended and that's the beauty of brand broadcasting I think 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I I teach a class at Central St Martins for the MA fashion journalists there called Media's New Frontiers. And actually, one of the classes that we did recently was on how all you know journalism has become content, and content is journalism, um, regardless of what you think about that. It's just you know every that's what everybody calls content now, whether it's marketing content or um, long form piece in the New Yorker. Um, and I do think there's this sense that anyone can. Um, Anyone can throw their hat in the ring. Is that yeah. the right phrase? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyone can take part, um, whether they are a retailer or mm. a traditional um, legacy publishing house. Yeah. Um, and you see journalists working for brands. I mean, this is not a new idea, but you see um, journalists working for brands, for fashion brands, um, and, and, and vice versa. Um, and so um, there is this sort of uh, morass of content and like you say if you can find a niche and carve a niche out for yourself where you do something very specific yeah then that is one way to cut through the noise so this is i mean to me it sounds like a a a concept that will inspire a lot of innovative thinking and some you know really interesting uh partnerships and collaborations and engage audiences so it seems a no-brainer for me that that all brands especially fashion brands should be embracing this idea of brands as broadcasters do you think that the ones that don't are going to suffer as a result I think there's a really big need for brands to cut through the noise at the moment, to find a voice, to find who they are, to find out who they want to associate with, how they kind of culturally express themselves. So, you know, who who are your allies in a way? Who who makes sense to you? And speaking about that really makes sense. Consumers, you know, we're really overburdened with, uh, we talked about content before, being everywhere, being messaged all the time. We're so over, yeah, overburdened. At the moment, so I think things that can cut through the noise are super useful, and I think a broadcasting arm, whether it's you know radio or or podcasts or you know using social media to broadcast in some way, um, are going to be massively important. Yeah, I would say um, it's not necessarily right for every brand. Um, um, like um, Katie was saying, there is just too much stuff. There's just too much stuff out there for people to consume. And I would say don't do a podcast unless you have something to say. It's a bit like with a social media post, don't post unless you have something to say. Um, So I guess it's about knowing who your audience is or about the kind of audience you want and then thinking about whether they would like to have some sort of audio element and then trying to figure out the best way to offer that to them. Great. Well, I've yet to visit Five Carlos Place, um, so I need to go and immerse myself in this fantastic-sounding experience. Um, I'd like to thank my guests, Daniel Rodoichin and Katie Barron, and thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.